Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me from the studio name I suddenly wish I had written down in Manchac, Texas, Mike Frizzell. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> Good morning, Bobby. And in New Brighton, Minnesota, in the Stick of Butter Studios, the always memorable studios, Ann Lundholm. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Bobby. And in Grand Rapids, Michigan, joining us from the Moms Rust Belt Studios, Meredith All the Way Mayhan. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning, Bobby. And I recognize it's just afternoon on the East Coast. I say good morning anyway because it still feels like morning. We're here for a Monday edition of Little Red Bandwagon. We're going to recap your latest week at TBTL. We'll get into some LRB business, followed by that we can review housekeeping and how you can get involved. And as you can tell, you've got a whole quartet of us. And we are so mad at Luke for insulting quartets. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. This is fun because I always miss whoever's not on the recap. That's true. Yeah, I That's always true. feel like the week I'm not on the recap is the week that I have a ton of relevant, interesting, funny uh-huh. things mm-hmm. to say. <laughs> and since right. I'm on the recap this week, I have none of those things. Well, thanks for warning us. I do share Luke's frustration with world music though. I'm not going to I'm not going to throw shade on him there. It's pretty terrible. Don't get ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, we've got a long way to go before there. First, some LRB business starting with the Friday show, Mike, a show that you recorded months and months and months ago with Phyllis finally aired and it's you and Phyllis talking about times Jen got thrown out of restaurants. Yeah, uh, we celebrate Jen on this show, but that the one that we we put out on Friday probably probably paints her in the worst light of any <laughs> single TBTL show and or any LRB episode that's ever been recorded. And it's because these were times when she admitted that her behavior was atrocious, and we shared sometimes when our behavior was not so great. Um, mine probably way worse than Phyllis's at times. Yeah, Phyllis didn't really bring it uh, with the level <laughs> for, of intensity for bad behavior. That- uh, all I know is I just never want to see Bill Radke in a bathrobe. No, because <laughs> there's there's nothing under there. I'll tell you what. So take a listen to Friday show if you haven't already. It's our final Phyllis fave of the year and probably for a while, given that she's been uh, stolen away by National Public Radio. And at the rate that NPR bosses are going down, she'll probably be running NPR by June. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's hope so. Right. <laughs> And and if the um, standards of people getting fired drop and drop and drop, I mean, just admitting to some indiscretion from college on an LRB episode might end up being fatal to her career and it'll be <laughs> next man or woman up after her. So it's good that she's done here. Yeah. For her career. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, there's no doubt that this show is going to come back to haunt all of us eventually. Sure. Yeah. Matt Baca, I still get a message from him every other week. Like, could you do something to erase all of those takedown episodes? Because I'm trying to get this job or that job. Yeah, uh, those Banana Republic photo shoots don't just make themselves happen. Yeah, you got to be clean. Yeah. Uh, Mike, while we're on you here with some updates, uh, you've got an ambulance chasing update for us. Yeah. When when I last left you, I had talked to a uh, paralegal who took down my information and um, shared that information with uh, 
some attorneys to see if uh, they thought I had a case. So uh, I got a, a package in the mail yesterday from Jackie Childs uh, <laughs> that had the uh, contract. One one thing to release my medical records to them and another thing to agree to the fee structure. So um, I went online, did some research, and, and discovered that their fee structure was industry standard. And it uh, it looks like um, my face is their case, so I'm going to be sending back that uh, that FedEx envelope that they sent me with the signed contracts, and I will uh, I'll officially be at war with a drug company. Well, we've got your back, uh, not financially, but you know, moral support. <laughs> oh, thank you, and, and yeah, yeah, updates is warranted, but. Um, I like I said last time. This is a long play. This is this uh, this drug was very recently discovered to have been deeply flawed. So there there have been no cases brought to trial, and I don't know if mine will go to trial. I may be one of the first, so maybe mine does. And their fees, the fees are higher from a trial judgment, um, but that's because trial judgments are generally much higher than settlements. Right. So. I have a question. Are you going to have a swimming pool in the mansion? <laughs> I, I I don't like swimming pools. Even though I'm I live in Texas, I could probably get a decent person to take care of it. I'm not in Bellingham, but uh, I'm not a I'm not a swimming pool guy. <laughs> hmm. Maybe a hot tub. I could get on board with that. I'm just looking yeah. forward to the podcast studio. I assume that you're going to build something for us with your riches. Oh no problem! I'll I'll build a studio in each of your homes. <laughs> we'll paint mountains on the wall. I'll hire deer to go by the window. You know, you don't have to fill a pool with water. You could go full Scrooge McDuck and just have it full of doubloons. Yeah, right. I find it. I don't know if there are enough doubloons in the world, but I'll find them. Uh, on to uh, sadder news at least in the short term, hopefully not for long. Meredith, you've got a pup date for us. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in Michigan, so unfortunately I can't be around for this, but uh, I got a phone call early yesterday morning from Duff that uh, Eddie had been sick overnight um, throwing up. And uh, so he took him into the vet first thing, and it sounds like he's got pancreatitis, uh, which is a really painful thing. Uh, to have and very unpleasant. It sounds like he's got a lot of nausea and abdominal pain. Uh, so he had to stay at the vet all day yesterday, and then he had to stay at the emergency vet overnight last night. Um, they're still not sure if he may have something in his gut, like perhaps he ate something he shouldn't have, um, which isn't really like him. He's not one to get into food or, you know, table scraps or the trash or anything like that. So I'm guessing this is pancreatitis, and in that case, we just have to, you know, give him fluids and, and nausea medicine and pain medicine until it fixes itself. There's not much else you can do. Um, but right now, um, he's still at the vet with an IV and being very closely monitored. So I don't know, know much more than that. And it really sucks that I'm far away from him and can't go see him. Hmm. But that, I wanted to let you guys know. I thought you would want to But Duff know. is back in town. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's uh, keeping very close track of him. That's good. Yeah. Did Duff relay anything about the tone of the emergency overnight vet? <laughs> were they judgmental in any way? They were super nice. And we got an email from them this morning. They were wonderful. 
Well, I can't believe you managed to tell that story in less than 19 I know, minutes. I know, <laughs> I know. It was hard, but... I'm in the camp that I think people were a little hard on Andrew about that. Mainly yeah. Andrew was a little hard on Andrew he about that. He was hard on we'll himself. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, reminder that merch is available at the low, low holiday prices of the same prices it's always available. You can find that at littleredbandwagon.com. And that includes now the zipper hoodie, uh, the RAR zipper hoodie. So if you were putting off ordering a RAR hoodie because you weren't sure if you were going to be able to get it on and off uh, the conventional way, now you have options. So littleredbandwagon.com for your zipper hoodie. You know, I hadn't thought of that with uh, Christy with her surgery coming up. Um, pullover hoodies are just not an option for someone with a bad shoulder. So this is a nice solution. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. We finally have uh, a hoodie that Martin Sheen can wear. I'm excited. That's a joke for people who <laughs> like Martin it. Sheen. That's fine. We've got a couple of throw-your-phone moments. I think uh, – and do you want to tell us about the general one? Yeah, we got uh, – was it a Facebook post? I don't remember. No, it was an actual throw your phone from Justina last week. Uh, in relation to last week's recap, she says, hugging my phone because on the LRB recap, Mike knocked before saying, housekeeping, and my idiot dogs went running to the front door barking. Also related, they do occasionally get fooled by the doorbell on TV. They're not idiots all the time, but recorded sound is baffling in their world. <laughs> that was great on the very episode that we were talking about dogs getting fooled by noises on TV and so forth. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the dogs were naked and recording a podcast at the time. <laughs> Wait, naked? <laughs> yeah, I guess dogs are always naked. Yeah. Well, unless you're one of those terrible people who dresses your dog up. That's true. I thought I shouldn't. I used to be 100% against putting clothes on pets, but I will say I have been getting a lot of adorable Facebook ads for like um, wiener dog sweaters. I blame you mostly, Mike, for for this infiltrating my feed. You're the one who's my primary dachshund supplier. Well, some of the, some dogs really actually don't mind it at all. Some actually like it. Like Crusoe, the celebrity dachshund, he has a all kinds of outfits that he clearly doesn't mind wearing. We put Abby in a dress one time, <laughs> and she looked so miserable. It was awful. We have a sweater for but Eddie. She didn't look and good either. Yeah, he he doesn't love it. Like he tolerates the sweater, but he doesn't enjoy it. And he kind of shakes it. You know, try to do the shake and get it off of his back. And so we don't make him wear it. Yeah, I don't begrudge pet owners who do it when the dogs don't care or actually like it or it keeps them warm. But in in our household, I'm, if you did it to Ginger, I think I would just I would feel so bad. And that we have some pictures of Abby in that dress, and it's it was <laughs> not only was she uncomfortable, but it was, it was so unflattering to her. I don't know, you, chubby chubby dogs in dresses, <laughs> not a good look. Yeah, if you want to embarrass something or someone by dressing them up in awkward costumes, that's why you have kids. There, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So with that, why don't we get to our week in review, starting with Monday, 2520, Actual Brothers. We kick off the episode with some turkey gobble noises, even though it's after Thanksgiving. I guess we're going to let those uh, fade out like a 90s pop song instead of just cutting them off right after Thanksgiving, probably because they started so late with them this year. They're going to get it out of their system. I, I'm okay with that. Uh, but jumping fine. straight. Yeah. Jumping straight to Christmas, uh, Luke lets us know the perilous situation of his holiday de- decorations in their 
uh, attic with the situation where if you step in the wrong place, you're going to put your foot through the floor of the room below you. I don't understand why he well, felt that he had to explain that so thoroughly. It's pretty standard for a non-finished <laughs> attic. Yep. Yeah, one of my friends uh, in high school, we had a pool table on the top story of our house. And uh, so we'd be drinking and playing pool. And one of my friends just was obsessed with going in the attic. So he would go in the attic. And then <clears throat> one day, his both his legs came right through and dropped a bunch of, you know, ceiling all over the pool table mm. and uh that was uh that was an emergency repair before my dad came home <laughs> from out of town your dad came home and was like why are there posters on the ceiling <laughs> rita hayworth oh, is just, just thought it'd be up cool over... to have posters over the pool table so awesome <laughs> Uh, this leads into a conversation about uh, some friends of Andrew's. In fact, it's the, I believe, college-age sister of one of Andrew's friends who they were all hanging out with. And she decided to make a pitch for a great Christmas movie that everyone should watch. But she couldn't quite fully remember the name of Something Something Christmas Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> we are old. got to get used to that. We yeah. are all old. Uh, some Christmas movie talk. There was uh, the Clumps versus the Cranks versus the Santa Claus and a general notion that there are too many Tim Allen Christmas movies. I think Good you on could, him. You could take Christmas out of there. There's just too many Tim just, Allen movies in yeah. general. <laughs> I will allow Galaxy Quest and that's about it. I'm not a fan of, of most of his work, but I I do find that he is the, the biggest uh, post-federal prison success story. Um, you know, if you, if you really want to, if you really want to aspire, he, uh, he's an, he should be an inspiration to all of us ex-feds. Is he a, uh, like a keynote speaker at the con-con or the ex-con-con? <laughs> the ex-con-con? Yeah. Yeah. He's, a, there's a, um, he's our, he's our opening day guy. Yeah. He's the guy who gets the butts in the seats, really inspires, mm -hmm. maybe does some autographs after. Uh, I have never seen the Christmas with the cranks until early last week. So Sam goes on a kick every October. She watches scary movies. And then every mid November through Christmas, she watches every Christmas movie that's on TV and Christmas with the cranks was on. And I, it took me about 20 minutes to figure out what it was. Uh, and I got, I think I got the gist of it half watching it, but, uh, that was when I was confused about all the Tim Allen Christmas movies because they all kind of feel that like he's playing more or less the same character, except for when he's actually playing Santa Claus. Like he's the same aloof father figure who doesn't have the time to deal. I don't know. But, uh, does he actually do crank? I, <laughs> yeah, that would be a not good sign for an ex-fed. Yeah, exactly. You're going, you're going back. Send him right back. Uh, then he has to speak on the other day at ConCon, the recidivism day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Going down the third aisle, recidivism. <laughs> uh, Andrew mentions that for future movie pod crawls, they should just not watch the movie because their recap of these Timeline movies and others is better than what they did for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I would not disagree with that. <laughs> uh, and then Andrew tells us his uh, harrowing tale uh, of having friends over after dinner. Uh, including Genevieve's brother who was staying with them and another guest. And it sounds like everybody had uh, imbibed heavily 
uh, only later to find at 2.30 in the morning that Theo was crying and appeared to be injured uh, on the rear left paw. And it led them down the road of the emergency vet. Uh, first, the one with poor customer service. Uh, and putting us all into a tailspin, hoping that Theo is okay. Well, Andrew explains to the vet awkwardly that they've been drinking and people have been around. And there's no way to be 100% sure if maybe someone possibly stepped on Theo. Bingo. <laughs> Meredith, I was thinking of you when he was telling this story because you've had a lot of parties at your house, <laughs> many of which you didn't want to have. Like, and I, I was telling Emily, there's a, you know, there's a certain age that you get to where the drunk friend loses their appeal um, completely. Like the drunk friend that pees in the litter box or steps on your cat. Um, why? Uh, I don't, I don't know how to put this exactly, but why do people have, parties at a certain i mean <laughs> you're asking the wrong person i have that same question <laughs> i don't really get it either um luckily we have only one friend who gets obnoxious when they drink um and they always drink a, a lot uh -huh. when they come over and what but they what they do is they don't destroy my house or my animals but they stay until about two in the morning which is too late yeah. for me um so it's just impossible to get this person to leave. And so so I've kind of talked to Duff about it. And like, we need to go over to their house so that we can leave when we want. Like, they can't come over anymore because they never leave. So Or get, you go over to their house and give them a taste of their own medicine. Stay there until 3.30. Walk in with a <laughs> bottle of Jack in your hand and just get going. I've been wanting to order one of those party banners that says, please leave by 9.00. <laughs> have you guys it's not very hospitable. have you guys seen these no no that's pretty great though they I need they one. sell them i've seen them on amazon and some other places and i'm it, we don't throw a lot of parties because that would require effort and i'm really lazy um and no one tricks me into it like meredith's mm -hmm. so um i i may order one of these and just keep it on supply i almost got one for thanksgiving and then i didn't do it the one upside of all this construction is that we can't have any parties for a long time <laughs> Because the kitchen right. is destroyed. <laughs> but I was thinking like a, a, a countdown clock, like an NBA 24-second clock, but, you know, but with like three hours on it. And everyone can see it, you know, like on, on both mm. ends of the house. And so everyone knows they have to get off their last shot, you know, before before the thing goes. And then you got to go. You got to be out. You got to be out the door or else you're in violation. Well, it could also be like a baseball game. Like, maybe you just need to stop serving after the seventh inning stretch. Yeah. Like, have drinks, have cocktails, appetizers, dinner, wine on the table, and then the bar's closed. Mm -hmm. And if you want to take the after party to a second location, God help you, because that's your problem mm -hmm. now, not your, you know. Mm -hmm. That's what bars are for. But, you know, they live in an apartment, and just parties... In an apartment after college. Uh, no thanks. Yep. Yep. I'll give Luke credit for using his customer service joke uh, that the New York Times customer service department is not the New York Times of customer service. <laughs> uh, so more on Theo as the week goes on. We get a quick hit 
uh, about a Drew Brees jazz fusion commercial that's not worth getting into, and the Monopoly story gets bumped so that Luke can tell us his weight management goals for the 10th anniversary show. I'm sure we could go ahead and spend an hour talking about how annoying it is that he has a goal for his weight, but no actual plans for the show yet. (laughs) Uh, But assuming there's a 10th anniversary show, Luke wants to be at 183 pounds when it happens. And he weighed in on that Monday at 200 pounds, which he was not pleased with. And of course, 183 was his fighting weight, as he puts it, the first day of TBTL. Yet he does live wire, wait, wait, don't tell me. He's on stage all the time. He's on CBS this morning. Why Why does he care if any one of us TBTL fans, which I'm sure there are none that think he's fat? He's not. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are some, ass- good. some assholes who listen, but they're going to call him fat at any weight. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. I, you know. He thinks that this is uh, sort of a completing the cycle thing, but none of us are as perfect or good looking as we were 10 years ago. That's just how that works. Right? I'm shorter. <laughs> <laughs> You're a lot lighter. Mike, that's a good point. We want you to be 6'2 by our 10th anniversary. <laughs> I will be. I think it's possible. Um. So this is a thing. I mean, on one hand, it's frustrating, and clearly the Stens page has uh, weighed in on this. But on the other hand, it wouldn't be TBTL without Luke swinging back into diet and weight talk eventually, right? I think we're kind of overdue. This has been a long time coming. I don't know. I kind of reject that premise. That was one of the comments that cropped up quite a lot on that thread on the Stens page was this is baked into the DNA of TBTL. That doesn't mean it's a good thing. You know, I don't want to listen to two guys who just go round and round and round in circles and complain and come up with plans, but never make any actual progress growing up or moving on or resolving their issues. I just don't need to do this again. I might have bad news for you, Anne. (laughs) I've lost this battle before it even began. (laughs) It's got at least another month of this. Also, that was a pretty brutal thread. Mm -hmm. I mean, people were pretty, I don't know, one person in particular was pretty disrespectful to other people in that thread. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, it wouldn't be a tire fire without a little burning. (laughs) Uh, My biggest objection to this conversation was Luke using the phrase grind club. (laughs) yeah i'm so sick of grind and woke yeah i don't know if i can take either one of those things coming out of his mouth oh let's see what else here uh andrew did mention that he's speaking in riddles about some professional deadlines that the guys have been putting off that's ominous and scary uh and then emails and emails get skipped so Anne, you're in love it's not the first day this week i mean it is the first day this week the first of several Yes. Uh, and then we get a no-point conversion. Uh, let's just hit the highlights. David Burbank is in the house, literally, living there. And so we get David Burbank, which made it delightful and listenable, I think. Um, some of the commentary was still rough. I think the notes that I took include 
Luke says that Philadelphia, quote, looks legit. So I'd like to congratulate him on being the last commentator in the country to realize that Philly's a good team this year. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, David Burbank has uh, some ill words for Jeremy Lane. He thinks he's a toxic part of the team. Uh, Luke calls dibs on making a, quote, young Sheldon joke whenever Sheldon Richardson succeeds at something for the first time. Something tells me most of Twitter's going to beat him to it. Um, the guys do note that everyone hates the NFL now between liberals for concussions and conservatives for the national anthem stuff. That's an interesting take. Uh, and in fact, South Park tackled that just a couple of weeks ago, trying to create new life on earth just so that they could find new people to fill stands at NFL games. But, uh, they're still printing money. So I don't think it's going to hurt them anytime yeah, soon. That's, that's the thing is it, for a lot of people probably would be good if the NFL or football in general went away. But as long as there's money to be made, there are going to be kids that are going to, that are going to want to make it. Yeah. yeah. So it's not going away. You don't have to watch it. And I, it makes me uncomfortable sometimes, but you know, let, let's, let's not get so full of our, our own opinion that we think that, that uh, it's, it's going to come true. Yeah. Andrew tells of going to watch the Apple Cup at his Eagles Airy, and not only was it depressing and quiet and not festive at all, but the food on the tables was left over from some funerals earlier in the day. <laughs> yeah, they need to do a little better planning on that. Maybe a sports bar, yeah. something like that. Uh, and Andrew got all up in his feelings after the Apple Cup, where, of course, the Huskies... Um, I won't say surprisingly, since the Cougs were higher rated, but um, as usual for the history of the Apple Cup, the Huskies uh, hammer and nail to the Cougars. Yeah. The Cougars were ranked higher, but the Huskies were favored in the game because Las Vegas knows who the better team is. Um, I I was going to um, run my mouth about uh his and Luke's attitude about rooting for Wazoo unless they're playing UW, but I'm not going to have to because um, someone circumvented the system of the throw your phone moments and just sent me a message on Facebook. And that is uh, Megan Coughlin. And she says, I hope you're on this week's recap and we're assigned to Monday because I need someone to address this deplorable theory that people should root for Wazoo for any reason. <laughs> no. <laughs> Andrew floated this theory before. Root for both teams in your state unless you have another reason and root for the underdog. But I can't believe that Luke and the last Burbank actually gave gave him a pass on that. You root for the Huskies. That is the only play. I don't even actually I don't actually even agree with people who believe that you root for Wazoo in all games where they're not playing the Huskies. Also, glad Luke finally Googled the Rose Bowl and realized it, that it is now a BCS game and not the Rose Bowl of his youth. Thank you, Megan. I was, Thank you. I wasn't even going to bring up the Rose Bowl part because it's just so exhausting. Yes. Uh, so, yes, that, that handles Andrew's uh, probably drunken text about how he's going to actively root against the Huskies, which he swears, by the way, is not an affectation except for the part about how it definitely is. Your wife works for the UW. Be a good boy. Uh, and finally, the Browns are still the Browns. That's it for Monday. Let's move to Tuesday, number 2521. Weird, but not unprecedented. 
Uh, Luke is at 199.5 pounds, and I really hope we don't keep updating the weight every day, but I think we're going to do that. Theo's paw is about the same as yesterday. He is back on the meds after uh, apparently not peeling 100% in a few days. Uh, Luke says that Rudy is now hard locked on the cheese that he had put her meds in before. So every time she sees him with a piece of cheese, she gets very hopeful. And I find that very well, sad. <laughs> Meredith knows this. It only takes one good event for a dog to create a uh, tradition. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Eddie is so really um, pattern oriented. Like he loves to have routines. And so we do mm-hmm. give him um, like a, an allergy medicine and a fish oil pill uh, every day. And he knows like if he if he doesn't get it before bed, he'll go over to the drawer and stand there and look at us because he gets it in a yep. pill pocket. We don't give him cheese because that would just be a mess for us to deal with later. <laughs> but he loves his pill yeah. pockets and he loves his treats. So he lets us know if we don't if we don't remember. And I bet he got used to that really, really, really quickly. Oh, yeah. I think it was like a day or two because it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, as a non-dog owner, this pill pocket, I don't. We always just used pieces of hot dog when I was a kid. Yeah. They're like soft versions of, of a combo. Oh. At least that, that's been the kind that I've had. Yeah, before. you can just put a pill inside of it and dogs are too stupid to uh, notice. Cats, you can't get away with that. Right. We had our, our dog, uh, Jack... He was pretty good about stuff like that. Like he had what we call mouth gutters and he would somehow eat whatever the treat was. And then the pill would just slide out the side of his mouth. (laughs) He was amazing. I just thought maybe that pill pockets were like hot pockets with medication in them. Mm. Just throw them in the microwave for two minutes and then try not to burn yourself. Pill pockets. (laughs) Uh, moving on, Genevieve bought Andrew a custom-designed monk t-shirt that he really loves. Something about touching light poles. I don't know. I've never watched it's really monk. really cute. Uh, yeah, that was nice of her, which leads into uh, Luke and Carrie are trying to figure out how they can give each other Christmas presents this year without actually buying anything, which is a little silly when you have a joint checking account and all of that because it's just you're buying somebody a present with their money essentially so they're going shark tank that's my uh, suggestion <laughs> shark tank is your gift suggestion for everything now so they're going for uh, what luke calls the thoughtfulness factor instead of spending money like you know his revelations over the last couple of weeks about what it takes to make a successful relationship just Mind-boggling wow. to me. Yeah. <laughs> imagine doing something thoughtful for your partner instead of instead of dropping some money. Uh, Andrew says he loves to get frivolous things as presents, things that he just can't justify buying for himself. Um, he talks about, as far as frivolous purchases, that he bought the iPad version of Clue for three ninety nine, but then he also bought some in-app purchases. What was that? So that he could have the skins on the pieces that would be yeah the it was like he characters. said it was an overlay and it doesn't change the way the game is played just the way that it looks yeah no, but-, but you get the characters because i guess when you buy the game it's like mr johnson you know 
Right. And and it isn't like Professor Mustard or whatever the real character. <laughs> Colonel is. Mustard. It's Professor. <laughs> I don't Plum. know. I I hated that game. I you know I only had the uh, the non trademark infringing uh, generic version, so it was like Professor Apricot. And <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say like the Canadian version, and it was RCMP. And... <laughs> well. He spent six ninety nine on those, so now he's up to what is it, eleven or twelve dollars sunk into this game, and then he just lost interest and he hasn't uh, played it yet, and he feels like he he wastes money on it, so he likes it when Genevieve buys him things like that, so that he doesn't feel like he he wasted it. She, she wasted the money, not him. Right. <laughs> hand, hand me your phone. I'm going to buy you. I'm going to buy you a game. Push this button um, for me. I just thought of the perfect gift from Luke to Carrie and not only will he not have to spend any money he will actually make money sell one of them goddamn boats oh, and it would show yeah. a lot of thoughtfulness and it would benefit them both you know I'd like a card that has the money in it from the sale of the boat and just mm-hmm. give that money to Carrie I bet he could he could put an ad for it in the Orchard Park penny saver <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, and he put a copy of the ad in the card. Say, I'm selling the boat. There you go. And also, stop pooping on our lawn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, two for one on that ad. Um, he says, Luke says that he does want a New Yorker baseball cap. I, I got confused. New Yorker as in the magazine? Yes. Baseball cap? Yes. Okay. I assume the guy with the top hat? On a hat? Is, is that what he wants? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if Does he... he want people to think he plays on their softball team or something? What is the point of the New Yorker hat? I don't know. And talk about a bad softball team. I think they would just be... The, the catch is... Paul, Pauline Kale batting cleanup. Did he say that he couldn't find it, I think? I don't know. But in any case, if he really wanted it, he would buy it for himself. He wouldn't wait for somebody to get it to him. And the trick is to buy someone something that they didn't know that they wanted, which I think is very difficult and then you factor in the fact that carrie doesn't like surprises Mm -hmm. so luke is invested in grand gestures and big surprises and carrie doesn't like to be surprised so i could see there would be some issues there Uh, they come back from the break with uh, amy winehouse's that was back in black wasn't it um and Luke says that co- that song caused him to switch from drinking gin and tonics to drinking vodka because of whatever line in the song about how gin smells so strong and he didn't want to smell like a gin factory. So that's what got him to switch. Uh, and Andrew says that he, when he was early in his drinking career, he actually got stuck. He just ordered a Tanqueray and tonic because that's sort of the only thing he knew or could think of. And to this day, that is still his default drink because other than, you know, a shot and a beer. That's all that he really knows as far as what he likes about alcohol. Mine has always been a Greyhound just because I thought it was probably the healthiest of all mixed drinks. Because it just has juice some, in it. Some grapefruit juice with my vodka. <laughs> yeah. And also 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 the vodka thing that played in too. Because who wants who wants someone breathing booze all over them mm-hmm. yeah. at the bar all night? That's um you know I'm no good. Oh, and is that, that what it was? That, yeah, and, it's, uh, and sniffed me out like I was Tanqueray. Mm-hmm. So it's a good song, actually, a really, really good song. And 
I wrote that in my notes. I literally wrote, I love Amy Winehouse. And then realized that that's the least hot takey hot take I had written in my notes in a long time. <laughs> like, no shit. I love Amy Winehouse. Lots of people love Amy Winehouse. <laughs> it's all right to like something that's good. Yeah, exactly. But I just, yeah, I wrote it in my notes like it was relevant for any reason and then it wasn't. But now mm-hmm. I've said it and it wasn't relevant either. So I'm two for two. Good job, Bobby. Yep, I try. Uh, so we get to the part of the show that I personally had the hardest time with. Um, the beginning of the daily update on how the weight loss is going. Uh, Luke says he's very conflicted about talking about it. For, I think this is the first time he's expressed some conflict about whether he should or shouldn't talk about his weight lo- his grind house efforts. Uh, God. He says that he doesn't want to weight shame anybody, which is a nice sentiment and one that I'm sure he wouldn't have considered 10 years ago. Um, he doesn't want to weight shame anybody except himself, apparently, is what I was thinking. Um, so he doesn't know if she, he should talk about it in so much detail. And he's kind of regretting for once that he's not on Facebook because Facebook would be the ideal place to... Um, post about and get uh, feedback on it. So without Facebook, he can't gauge how the listeners feel about this topic. And of course, he gets like one post on Facebook that Andrew reads. That's one person that's like, sure, bring it on. And Luke takes that as feeling that all the tens are just fine with him talking about his weight endlessly. So let's bring it on. I was shocked that Andrew didn't bring up the giant thread. Had that not happened yet? I think that may still have been in process mm. or not even yet started because that was the day. And I assume they were recording a little earlier than that went up. I don't know. I just it's um, positive, 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 positive. It's Luke's show. He can talk about whatever he wants. If I don't want to listen to it, I can turn it off. That's but my power. The, the important part about the tens feedback and Facebook is that despite being a universal tire fire we're not all in agreement about this it nope. the, the community's not a monolith there's somebody who's gonna like or not like anything mm-hmm. they talk about so what do you want to listen to with that kind of feedback and also i wrote in my notes if only there was a way he could get feedback from listeners like luke at tbtl.net <laughs> yeah that would require him to c- click a button and pay attention yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm actually not trying to be that mean about any of this. I just it it does kill me a little inside when he says something like how he wishes he could get feedback but couldn't when there are people who are so desperately trying to send feedback. Yeah. So I, I mean I guess if you want to take the tack that the weight stuff is baked into the fabric of the show, sure. Absolutely. Even though I find it tiresome because it never evolves. But I think that every day is too much. I think a detailed list of what he eats every day is too much, which he did today. He he went on to list what he'd eaten in the last 24 hours. I, I, right. I think that's definitely not necessary. So, Also, there's a difference f- from early TBTL days to now in that his co-host is not interested. Right. In, in mm. this. Yeah. That's a really yeah. good point. Well, let's leave that be until 
the next update that requires attention. Uh, there's kind of a throwaway moment here where they start talking about Ivy League schools, and Luke says that he would only want to go to a well-known Ivy. You know, he doesn't want to go to Penn because people don't even realize that that's an Ivy. And what's the point of going to an Ivy if you can't Employers wave it realize face? it. You idiot. <laughs> Employers know the Ivy League schools. They do. But it's Jesus. not useful for bragging to the masses if you say, I went to Brown and people don't know. Right. If that's if that's your point of your college, then yeah. I guess you should have studied a little harder and not spent so much time reading the newspaper in the back of the class in fifth grade, Luke. Then maybe you could have gone to Harvard. It's like it's like wanting to go to the University of Alabama because the football team is so good, even though you don't play football. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Uh, there is the observation made that a young Dave Ross looks like young Charles Manson. I don't know. I've never seen young Dave Ross. Yeah, I tried to. He, he does. I tried to find a picture. I couldn't find one because I wanted to do a side by side of a young Dave Ross and a young Charles Manson. Well, way, way back in the day when I was uh, working for um, a Red Robin franchisee, Dave Ross was the speaker at our annual holiday party, and he had a publicity photo that went out to everyone before the before the party, and it was clearly probably 15 years prior to that. So now we're talking about I've seen this a photo of Dave Ross from like 30 years ago, and I remember seeing it and going, Jesus Christ, he looks like Charles Manson. So it's a thing. Oh, I'm sad for Dave Ross now. No, no, don't be sad for Dave Ross because here's what happened. Dave Ross and, and Charles Manson were were getting handed out traits. Um and and they they both got crazy looking young person traits, but <laughs> Dave Ross got really cool and smart, um logical, normal guy stuff, and Charles Manson didn't get that. So good for Dave Ross. He probably shouldn't have had the swastika tattooed on his forehead, though, because that really raises the resemblance. Yeah, it it did. It really did. But it really made us all want to make sure we got to the annual banquet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just impressed that Dave Ross would work for free bottomless fries. <laughs> Top story for the Delicious. day is... Um, talk about this obscure monopoly rule. This was one of the times when, after they bumped it on Monday, I was really hoping they wouldn't come back to it because I'm kind of tired of monopoly talk. It seems to come up about once every six months wow, on the show. It does. And I was like, oh, God, not again. But apparently we've discovered, apparently, because I'm a kid <laughs> and I do play monopoly, but I didn't know because I make up my own rules for Monopoly when I'm a kid that there is a rule where if you land on a property and you don't buy it, then it goes up for auction to whatever the highest I, bidder is. I didn't think this was obscure. We I didn't either. This, this oh. is how we played when I was a kid. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Andrew. It's obscure. I guess it's a, he's decided it's obscure yes. because he didn't. Or because oh. BuzzFeed wrote an article about it calling it obscure. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Andrew says that he always assumes that whatever um, board games we learned as a kid, we're just playing them wrong as an adult. I mean, I, I will say Luke mentioned Scrabble. Uh, yeah, I played with the wrong rules for Scrabble for years because I learned how to play when I was seven and I didn't understand exactly how this 
worked. Um, Luke says that he was a bad Monopoly player because of his gambling tendencies. And uh, they talk about (laughs) how close a Monopoly is actually to roulette. Uh, I can see that. And, of course, that that takes Luke into this story about being at a casino back in the day with the mummy. And he ran out of money while he was at the roulette table. And so he asked the mummy to lend him 100 bucks. The mummy was like, "Eh," you know turned his pockets inside out, said sorry. So Luke had to go to the ATM to get more cash. And while he was gone, his number came up on the roulette wheel. And he says that that was probably the beginning of the decay with his relationship with the mummy. (laughs) That he wouldn't give him the money. Whether or not he didn't have it or he just wouldn't give it to Luke. He didn't have it because Luke said that he had to pay for the mummy to the mummy's airplane ticket so obviously he wouldn't have the money to lend luke in the casino right uh andrew talks about his monopoly strategy which is to buy as much property as you can and don't let anyone else consolidate um my brother is a genius monopoly player and this is what he does and i have tried to follow that to ape his strategy and it doesn't work because i never land on the right properties the dice are not my friend Mm-hmm. I just can't lose. And even one time, uh, my other brother and I combined our assets in an incestuous marriage, and we still got our asses handed to us <laughs> by him. It's just, I don't want to pl- play Monopoly with that kid anymore because I never win. Uh, Andrew always says he has to remember in social situations not to be shy to play the game just because he doesn't know what it is or he hasn't played it before. And he feels like he's a really slow worker, so he kind of makes the game less fun for everyone because he's trying to figure out what to do, but he has to tell himself that that's okay and he should still play. And I I agree with that. It's just a social thing. If I had to give him a pep talk about that, I would say go ahead and and play and and play dumb and and learn as you go or whatever. And don't feel bad because they're probably going to kick your ass and they'll enjoy that. And if you beat them, then they're humiliated, which is bonus there. Slow learners are the most popular people at a poker table. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're playing for money, I yeah, I'm not I'm not jumping in if there's money involved and I don't understand the game. Yeah. Sorry. What are your games? I I was curious about this while they were talking about this. Did you guys have particular games growing up? We weren't a board game house, but we played a lot of euchre, which I know is regional. Um, but you know, dumb down hearts basically, or dumb down bridge rather. Um. But lots of lots of card game euchre. That was my youth game. We played euchre and but hearts was our family game for sure. Um, and there were some there were some uh, board games. We did have some Monopoly. We played an epic game of Risk one summer that lasted for weeks. Um, but uh, yeah, it was mostly card games. Was it Seinfeld style? Did you have to have people watch the board? Yes, yes. There's a lot of backstabbing going on. <laughs> Mike, did you play games, or or was your childhood before games were invented? Um, we we played uh, Monopoly. Um, we're pretty far apart in age. You know, my brother's five years older, my sister ten. So there wasn't a lot of that. As as a family, uh, up at our cabin on Lopez, we played a lot of Pinochle. But by the time I was old enough and was learning how to play, um, the whole family had kind of busted up. Yeah. Pinochle's one of those games I never um never 
got into um, Canasta comes up once in a while with my Canadian family. I I ended up playing um, quite a bit of Pinochle in prison, particularly King County Jail, because there's nothing else to do. And uh, I'd be lounging back in my cell after breakfast and thinking, well, am I going to go back to sleep? And um, one of the uh, Mexican guys would come and and, uh, pound on the side of my door, which was still open, and scream at me, Pinocho time! (laughs) And so I'd clear I wasn't going to get back to sleep, so I had to go play some Pinocho. I didn't have a power out for this story, but I'm so glad I asked. Um, Let's see. Let's go on to emails from Anonymous, uh, somebody who is a lawyer who has prosecuted music rights violators especially he talks about uh, music rights violators for or I guess this was just licensing rights television rights maybe for boxing matches it was the small mom and pop Mexican restaurants who show the fight without paying for it I don't know this is so uninteresting to me I had a hard time paying attention to it Uh, and there's talk about license enforcers who just purchase the right to enforce the licenses uh, and Luke thinks that this actually sounds kind of predatory and that they should just be fined that night's profits. <laughs> Whatever, however much money they made from having to fight illegally is what that they should they should be punished with, which is uh, weird. <sighs> There's no Fun. way that a business would try to get around that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an email from Edward about locking or not locking the bathroom door. He says at a restaurant, he accidentally walked in on a six-year-old boy. Edward wasn't intending to use the bathroom. He just wanted to wash his hands. So he didn't realize that there was a kid sitting on the pot for about 30 seconds. And then, of course, when he figured out, he was um, super, I don't know, embarrassed and worried that someone would think that he was up to something no good. And so he was worriedly watching after he came back out into the restaurant and saw the boy go over and tell his dad presumably what had happened and the dad laughed so he felt better about that bobby have you ever had that happen i have i i have and in fact i was the uh walker inner on an adult (laughs) once that was a particularly horrifying story for me um when i was working at the buffalo phil um years ago the offices were a little run down and the bathrooms were weirdly large because I think it had been like a public health office before it was the orchestra's offices. And the men's room, you would go in and the stalls were these old wooden rickety stall walls and doors. And they all had little locks in them, but there were several in a row. And I had, I don't know the details. I don't remember the details why I wasn't feeling well, but let's just say I was running into the men's room. And I just went to the usual stall I usually went to because it's, I think it was the second one in. I don't know why. It's just the one I went to. And I pushed open the door and our chief financial officer and HR director was uh, sitting in there and had not oh, locked it. No. <gasps> I hope they were the same person. Yes. <laughs> not the HR director. <laughs> uh, yes. One person, two titles, because that's how it works in the arts. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, he hadn't locked it, and I hadn't knocked, so I think we were both at fault. Um, yeah. And uh, I just froze, 
and then backed up and shut the door and was just like, I'm so sorry, and ran right back out of the bathroom and went back to my desk and just hid from the world for like 20 minutes because, you know what, suddenly I didn't need it anymore. I didn't need it that badly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, and we never discussed it, and it never came up again, and we just never made eye contact again. Oh, no. Well, it's totally not your fault. I mean, I walked in on a, a kid in a restaurant, you know, in a single person bathroom and the kid just didn't lock the door and i saw the kid and i turned around and walked out and then i you know and i saw the kid come out later and he's like telling his mom and she's looking daggers at me and i'm like fucking kid didn't lock the door what the fuck am i supposed to do <clears throat> and then in our in our house um this was many years ago now when cullen was in high school um after he had discovered himself and he, who knows if that's what he was doing or if he was just pooping or whatever but like like emily walked in on like three times in a week or something and and uh, after the third time he said he said in front of us he said we need to come up with some kind of a system where where y'all don't walk in the bathroom (laughs) and and i said if only there were something on the door that would turn and keep someone from walking in (laughs) You know, and then he got mad because he hadn't he hadn't even thought to lock the door. So, so he, he locks the door now. Our bathroom door does not have a lock on it. It's Ugh. just the two of us and the cat and her box the cat's box is in the bathroom. Uh she's terrible about closing the door though. Super rude. Yeah. Um so we just are respectful. If the door's open, go in. If the door's closed, don't. And we are not one of those couples who is cool with you coming in. Like if I'm in the shower and you want to grab something yeah. out of this medicine cabinet, uh, at least knock and, you know, yeah. make mm-hmm. yourself make announce yourself. Please don't just come in. Uh, and then part of it's because the door doesn't lock. So we don't have like a, if it's unlocked, knock yourself out. Uh, and just the other night I was taking a shower late. I wasn't feeling great. And so I was in there for kind of a little while in the shower, just trying to reset myself. And I'm kind of like Andrew with showers. I'll shower a few times a day. If time permits, I, I just, I'm, it's my safe space. <laughs> so I'm in the shower and I come out and I'm drying off and I open the door and Sam is just, you know, doing the dance right at the door. Aww. And I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought she was asleep. Like it was after I got home from trivia and I sh- I'm just like, I'm so sorry. You should have knocked. And she's like, I did oh, loudly. No. <laughs> and I just hadn't heard it over the shower. <laughs> Well, you were busy reading your Reader's Digest stuck out the side of the shower, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you're not going to uh, – damn it. I was going to make a joke, but I couldn't remember any section of Reader's Digest. Humor, Humor and uniform. Well, even with the – Yeah. <laughs> even with the locking capabilities that we had at the house uh, in North Austin, um, the door – all of the doors in our house would be closed because at the time – Cullen was paranoid about cockroaches because there had been one night, which uh, before I moved to Austin, that has been dubbed the night of a thousand cockroaches. Oh, no. When there just seemed to be an infestation and then Cullen freaked out. And then after that, he would he would uh, close every door and put the put the seat down on every toilet because he thought that would prevent cockroach traffic somehow a door and so the bathroom door would always be closed whether or not there would be somebody in there or not because because yeah bathroom door should always be open unless there's someone in. yeah i believe yeah, bad news kid those in things are getting through anything yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> but if 
he, he finally got after, off of that after a few years. But uh, but that was why Emily felt comfortable opening a closed bathroom door because Cullen always closed everything. Yeah. I will say uh, I've always been in the we do not need more bathrooms camp. Like it would be great if we had a second bathroom or a half bath. But, you know, you see these people on House Hunters who have to have like four and a half bathrooms in their house. And I always think they're ridiculous. <laughs> I have wavered, you know, and part of it is my waking up in the middle of the night more, being truly 60 or 70 years old on the inside. Uh, you know, maybe an extra half bath wouldn't be the worst thing in our next house. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, well, let's just end up this day uh, with the, I think is this the first concrete mention that there will, in fact, be a 10th anniversary show. Andrew is stress dreaming about it already, and he says that in one of the stress dreams, only three people came, Christy, Mike, and some other person that he doesn't know who it was. So, Mike, are you honored? Bad news, Andrew. <laughs> Bad news. It's going to be Christy and that other guy because I'm not going to be there. So. Well, they haven't finalized plans. You don't know where it's going to be. Well, yeah, but I I, if, I guess if it's in my house, uh, <laughs> I can go. Uh, that's what I got for Tuesday. All right, Wednesday, 2522, co-bros, co-broing it up. Um, we get Andrew's new nickname, which I like, um, the longest-running co-bro of the uh, program. Um, we, they get right into talking about the news of the day. Wednesday is probably the most serious TBTL, uh, since, since Luke announced his breakup with Vanessa. And, um, so they get right into it and they talk about how the details of, uh, Matt Lauer's indiscretions were pretty public because of the Vanity Fair article. Um, Keeler's, Garrison Keeler's details were not public but he is sort of making it a public issue because he's talking about it and trying oh, to god he is being so fucking irritating about it now i just saw the I something followed much of it he's, what did he do he's acting really put upon and poor me there was mm. something i don't know if it was a tweet or a statement or something that i saw somewhere where he said the great thing about being a pariah is that nobody expects you to go to parties and Nobody's asking you to speak at things all the time, or I guess I'll have to go live in Europe with the other exiles. And I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. Yeah, that was a public Facebook post that he made and then took down because it was so poorly received. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, they get they're, they're talking about Andrew is fearing backlash uh, slash fatigue from um I guess mainly men in society is like saying enough already with all this stuff. Yeah. We've um, been saying that for a while hearing about it, but you know, I, I don't care if you're tired of hearing about it. If it's the truth and someone needs to go down, they need to go down. We're so, tired of being harassed. Uh, <laughs> if you're tired of hearing about it, just don't read the article, but it doesn't mean that, that the, the stuff shouldn't be happening or people shouldn't be, you know, getting fired over it or disgraced over it. Um, Luke thinks that creepiness, uh, this kind of creepiness is generational. That's just the old folks that, that, that are doing this. And as his generation ages, it's not going to happen. 
he's hopeful of that. I think there is something to that, but I also, I've said on this show before that I think with men, we all have creepy instincts and we do a pretty poor job controlling them when we're teenagers and when we're old men. Um, but the difference is when we're teenagers, we don't have any any power um, to wield over women. And when we're old men, we do mm-hmm. sometimes. So um, the impulse control is, you know, it... I don't know. I'm 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 not like going to regret saying this like Andrew like I didn't like the way Andrew kept apologizing as he was speaking but I I think in in general men are fucking creepy. We are but it's can you control yourself? Yep. And it it seems like older men have a problem. And I I had just I think we were we did the show a couple weeks ago, and I just watched Craig T. Nelson do his thing, and I was so disappointed. And I'm like, I bet he wouldn't have done that 20 years ago. Right. But right. he's just like, hey, there's a pretty girl talking to me. This doesn't happen very often. i got to go hug her and kiss her. It's like, I come think, on, guy. I think, there, I think you're right. There is something with age. But Andrew did make the point about power that I thought was was very good yeah. that mm-hmm. young men don't have the same kind of power and the ability to shield themselves from consequences that uh, older men, men of a certain age get. But as they said a couple of times, that's not to say that there are no creepy younger men, you know, people with poor impulse control. And I was thinking about maybe it's not even so much power as almost ambition that does it. I mean, when you think about the guys who have really been out at your Matt Lowers and your Harvey Weinsteins and your Charlie Roses, those were people who are not sort of garden variety, ambitious career people to, to get to the positions that they were in in life. I think you have to have an almost pathological ambition. And maybe there's something in that, that, that drive to achieve and to be at the top that somehow allows you to maybe justify things to yourself better. I don't know that where you can, yeah, you can justify your actions a little bit better because it's in, in pursuit because you're so single minded in pursuit of what you want. So I think maybe that's how you can wrap younger men in there a little bit. Even those that don't necessarily Mm -hmm. have the, the platform or the insulation to get away with the really, egregious stuff yeah i also go ahead well just sadly you know there's also just a lot of different kinds of people in the world and that's never going to change um i don't remember if we've gotten into this in detail on the show probably not but harvey weinstein went to my school my my alma mater went to buffalo and and wrote for the newspaper that i was the editor of many decades later and he wrote things back then that blew up into a national story recently because it was proof that he was a dirtbag and, mm-hmm. and crass in writing, you know, we don't know in actions necessarily, but at least in the way that he presented himself to the world, he was a douchebag back in college. Uh, not really a surprise because there's lots of D bags in college. Uh, and you're still, I was, yeah. Weird. And you're still at the tail end of, of, um, balancing the uh, hormonal explosion of 
adolescence with the reality of being a responsible adult. And I, I don't think that every guy uh, has an ingrained want to do terrible things to women and then has to rein it in. I think that some men just aren't uh, immediately given the boundaries and respectful nature that they need to have uh, to understand that, that impulses don't always translate to actions. You know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to put into words. It's like, not all guys are terrible. Uh, all people have urges, everyone, men and women. Um, and understanding what's right and what isn't is, is very much nature. And I think a lot of guys just don't get raised right. Um, if we could teach young men one thing to take throughout their lives is that there's nothing inherently sexy about their anatomy. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody wants to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to, right. I don't want to see right. mine. <laughs> right. Don't send us a picture of it unless we ask. I use it all the time and I ask. rarely look at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I would say two things. Unless we explicitly ask to see it, don't show it. And unless we explicitly ask to be touched, don't touch us. Yeah. 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 The, the, yeah. the, Consent is perhaps the simplest concept on earth. <laughs> Don't do it unless someone asks you to. It's. I just it's watched so a video simple. this morning on Facebook. One of my friends posted and it was like comparing um, consent to tea. You wouldn't make somebody tea that they didn't want. So think about it as tea if you have such a hard time with it. Don't pour tea down someone's throat who doesn't want tea. Yeah. <laughs> if they're going to stare at you, you know, when you offer them some tea that they that someone who doesn't drink tea, you know, if you're going to get that same stare, then let's yeah. not break out It's the like tea. if they said they wanted some tea and then they become unconscious, please don't still make them tea. They don't want tea anymore because they're unconscious. <laughs> I've seen that video. It's a good, right. good video. Yeah. I'm going to try to burn through some more of this because, I mean, obviously they talked about it a long time and, and we've made some points already. Angela Lansbury writes a piece um, blaming the victims but she's given a pass by Luke because she's over 90. Um, he Luke wonders about um, if it's okay to have a discussion of severity, you know, uh, unwanted back rub versus locking the door behind a lady and then unzipping your pants. I think it's okay to have those discussions. I think mm-hmm. that's something for down the road, though. Like right now, let's just let's clean a little house. Yeah. You know, unwanted back rub guy, I want him gone too right now. I'm okay with it if... It's like getting a soda at the movie theater and the smallest size is a large. Unwanted back rub is absolutely unacceptable. And then if you want to go worse from there, I guess that's okay. Right. 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 If you're in a super tanker of soda, that's, that's, uh, oh, oh, I, could you bring me something? Oh, like you just got out of the shower. Yeah. Severity conversations are fine as long as the least severe option is castration. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah, he's gone. Um uh they're both so they're, they're both okay with the pendulum swing of of like I would not want to say overreaction but but nuclear reaction to um any bullshit that that uh, people are trying people in power are trying to pull and they say <laughs> women unsurprisingly not surprised by all of this stuff. Now, uh Anne and and Meredith um do y'all feel like this was going to happen at some point, or had you lost hope that that men were never going to have to pay for their shit? 
I don't know. I guess I'd never even considered the possibility that this seemed like this seems like a like a wildfire that just got ignited when someone left a cigarette at the campsite. You know, like you, you couldn't see this reaction coming. The magnitude of this, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And honestly, my experiences have been nothing near to what I've heard from other women. I, I don't know. I wonder if there's something about me that causes men to hesitate to try to be creepy with me, or maybe it's the fact that I'm bigger mm-hmm. than them. I don't know. But I haven't had the same kinds of awful experiences that I've, I've heard talked about a lot. So I, I, Luke and Andrew talked about how surprised they were. I mean, I was surprised too, because that's not actually a normal part of my life. I, as soon as I heard there was an all women Ghostbusters, I was like, yes, here we go. It's happening. And then (laughs) Wonder Woman came out and yeah, definitely. Like I saw this revolution coming. Um, But no, I, I am surprised that this is happening. Um, uh, Pleasantly surprised. Uh, but I, I, I don't think I ever entertained any real hope that, that people would start to actually, or white men, I should say, no, not all white, but men in power would, would face consequences. I just wasn't very hopeful that that would happen. So I'm glad that it is. And you said, um, like a wildfire. So what I was thinking was, um, we've been in a drought of reporting of women reporting, the shitty things that have been happening to them for a long time. Mm-hmm. So the grass has been getting drier and drier and drier. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, finally some women spoke up and now, now all of California is on fire. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, so I, I see why it started. I did. I had no idea the extent of it because, you know, um, I say with confidence like Luke and Andrew that, I'm not like this and I don't hang out with guys like this, but it doesn't surprise me that they're out there. Um, I think it's fantastic what's happening though. I really do. I guess I had expected things to change. Um, And really, when you think about it, it's only a hundred years, even since women were enfranchised. So, I mean, how much do you think society is really going to shift in a relatively short Uh, amount of time, but I figured that it would be more of a gradual thing as the Mm -hmm. older men with more antiquated notions died out and hopefully more enlightened younger men came along that we would just sort of gradually phase out um, a lot of the behavior, but um, faster is fine by me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Um, Mike, when you said that... uh, there had been a drought. I thought that maybe you were going to wrap that up by saying that someday you knew a real rain would come and wash the scum <laughs> off the streets. A hard rain, Bobby. A hard, hard rain. Oh, excuse me. A hard rain. <laughs> well, flip side of the positive coin, they start talking about um, Trump, which is like a wildfire of uh, bigotry and misogyny yeah. that swept the country last year. Um, they they talk about Trump more than they had in had in any other show. Andrew's clearly upset, and I kind of feel the same way when I start talking about Trump too. Uh, he distrusts the electorate, and so do I. Um, Luke feels Trump embodies straight white fear, and so people are willing 
straight white people are willing to um, do, you know, jump off a bridge for the guy, even though nothing he's doing is benefiting them in any tangible way. One of the interesting things that I heard about that, I was listening to Pod Save America, which is pretty good if you're a liberal person who's interested in politics, but they were kind of talking about this, you know, why Trump retains the support of his base, even when the things that he is doing, the things that Congress are doing um, are directly making these people's lives worse. And uh, someone said it's because Trump is fighting with the people that they hate. They hate the liberals, you know, yeah. they, whatever they hate, the gays, they hate whoever they hate and Trump is fighting with them. And so it doesn't matter what he does and what he accomplishes as long as he's fighting with their enemies. It's a really excellent point. You yep. really could stand in the middle of the street and shoot somebody and wouldn't lose his support. Yep. At least that he would have, would have done something. <laughs> um, Andrew recalls how much he hated uh, working with John Curley, and I don't, I don't blame him. I don't, I don't think any of you have ever heard John Curley or encountered John Curley, Mm-mm. so I won't uh, belabor that. Uh, Luke talks about an article in The Stranger that, uh, quite the expose, reveals that Bill Murray might have voted for <laughs> Mitt Romney. Might have. Come I on. would vote for Mitt Romney at this point, so I, I, don't, I don't give a Oh, fuck, I'd take a binder you know. full of Mitt Romneys over this. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Just right. remember, um, Mitt Romney was the person who brought universal health care to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Just, right. Just a reminder. Yeah, he's not a bad dude. I like, like, um, his dad was a pretty great guy. Um, let's let's not forget there are plenty of Republicans that are really great people. So mm-hmm. you know, I got accused of being a Democrat uh, by a listener last week, and I was like, I never said i was affiliated with any party nor will i ever be so you know i vote for people yeah um so you know let's let's not get that twisted we would wouldn't we love for mitt romney to be president right now wouldn't we love for george the 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 second george bush to be president right now i even miss him that donald trump is the best thing ever to happen to, to the bush legacy yeah oh absolutely uh the i'm dying for that guy to be back in office the part that kills me is that with so many Repu- – and this is not groundbreaking in any way, but even most Republicans are in politics because they want to make this a better place. And right, right. They may not have the, the way right. to do it that you would the, agree the with. The goals are the same. Yeah. The philosophy on how to get there is different. And then you have yeah. Donald Trump who doesn't give a shit about anything but himself. Mm-hmm. Again, not a revelation. All right, uh, we we hearken back to the to the days when just a guy screaming about how many states he's going to win um, <laughs> disqualified him. From I never understood what that presidency. was about. How did that end, Howard Dean? It was just an awkward moment. It was a weird a weird scream. I guess people didn't like the scream. Strange. Yeah, it really was. I thought it was hilarious. I couldn't stop listening to it. I guess people didn't really know what to make of him. <laughs> so if the first thing that you really know about a guy is a weird scream, then you're like, eh, eh not that guy. Yeah. We get Luke's food diary, uh, which Yay. on this day includes an olive loaf <laughs> and a bunless Five Guys burger. Actually, two um, two cheeseburgers. See, here, here's the thing. You can, you can allow yourself some carbs, but just have one cheeseburger. Don't get two... 
weirdly lettuce-wrapped, quote-unquote, cheeseburgers, which Andrew is right to say no thanks to. Just if you if you want to have a diet, um, just don't eat that much. Don't eat as much. I did. Luke wants to eat 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 so much. So he wants to eat two Five Guys cheeseburgers, which is a lot too much meat, really. Um, so he 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 does the weird lettuce thing, and well, then all and the have, burger juice have, just goes everywhere. They have two sizes of burger. Don't they? Because when I go to Five Guys, I order a little burger. Right. This is. They have a regular and a little. This was going to be possibly. I won't say it, it uh, redeems Luke, but if you get a, a quote unquote cheeseburger, just add, order a cheeseburger at Five Guys. It is a two patty cheeseburger. And mm. if you order a little, then it's just one patty. But you have to order down to get a smaller one. If you just go for the standard, it's the two patties. So. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure if he meant two patties because he ordered a regular cheeseburger, or if he actually asked for two burgers worth of crap. You know, so it might have been that he ordered a cheeseburger and that's the way it came as two patties. That okay, it- I heard him say two cheeseburgers, and I was thinking if you're if you're dieting, just have one, get the bun, and enjoy yourself. Oh God, who goes to Five Guys and doesn't get the fries? Come on, yeah, what a waste of time. And a milkshake. <laughs> Luke tries to talk Andrew into dieting. Andrew has no interest. And <laughs> nope. Luke never seems to pick up on on the fact that Andrew has no interest in Luke talking about his own dieting. Um, and for some reason, Luke talks about that he waved at a guy who smokes on his jogging path. And Andrew waves at a lady, a weird... Uh, weirdly distressed lady who walks her dog and they're both pretty proud of themselves and finally they bury the lead the fire in andrew's neighborhood on his street i guess um somebody's cool house who burned completely to the ground after after they had a dinner party for 18 people and bobby when you brought it up in the chat i was like well Let's look to whoever had the dishes responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> That's your number one arson suspect there because they would have been up till four in the morning fucking one cycle after another of the dishwasher. That's a party that definitely needs a please leave by nine banner. <laughs> Eighteen people. Do I have we have that many dishes? <laughs> we do, but we're dish hoarders, but most people don't have. But that's all I have for Wednesday. All right, let's head to Thursday, number 2523, the Bronos Quartet. Uh, Luke spent a good part of Wednesday afternoon slash evening soundproofing Burbank Springs because he, uh, Carrie asked him the other day if Andrew was okay because all the way from the living room she could hear him consoling Andrew who was worrying that the cat story was too long again and now Luke realizes that Carrie can actually hear every word of what he says when they're recording the show so it became of paramount importance of course to soundproof the room which he figured he would do with that egg crate foam um it didn't work great when she wasn't complaining i don't know why he felt like he needed to do this she self-consciousness he's just embarrassed because he doesn't want to be listened to I don't know. He got something in his brain about it. But uh, I knew you would like this, Mike. He said that he spent the longest 30 minutes of his life waiting in line 
at uh, the Joanne Fabric. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, there is not a fire that has been lit under the register people there. Uh, that is actually yeah. quite true. Yeah. And if you want to um, know the place in Joanne Fabrics that's worse than the checkout counter, it's the cut counter yes. line to get your fabric oh. cut. Oh. Brutal. And yeah. uh, I assume that they all have the take a number thing. So you take a number from the little machine and yeah. then they have the monitor that shows now serving number whatever. And they'll be like, now serving number 64 at the cut counter. And I have like number 73 and there's nobody else in sight. <laughs> and like, yeah. now serving number 65 at the cut counter. And I'm thinking, can we just circumvent this a little bit please <laughs> and they give everyone a little too long you know yep <laughs> to, to show up yep there's some age discrimination going on in the hiring practices at, at joanne fabrics too um because i'm just imagining like some bright-eyed 20 year old going in there it's like oh, i want to set the joanne world on fire and they're like not so fast my friend <laughs> You're too fast. Yeah, they they don't tend to have a lot of hustle at Joanne Fabrics in general. Um, let's see. Well, he was buying Velcro brand Velcro because he wanted to make this look semi-professional. But unfortunately, Velcro does not stick very well to foam. And so all the foam fell off the wall by the morning and he had to use push pins uh, he's very upset about that because it's jankier looking than he wanted it to be. It doesn't look like a real professional studio, unfortunately. Um, he's kind of in his head because he was, he said, shitting on the idea of the Kronos Quartet on Twitter because he doesn't like abstract classical music. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think that's how we define the Kronos Quartet. I wouldn't categorize them as abstract classical. It's uh, And world... No, world music, and there is some story on NPR about a collaboration between the Kronos Quartet and a trio, maybe, from Molly. And Luke feels like uh, this is just a parody of public radio music in general. Um, now, if it had been and- a story about the Kronos Quartet on Molly. <laughs> that would have been worth listening to. Andrew insists on, of course, finding the actual NPR story and playing in the beginning of it, at which time he just criticizes the writing of the intro and says how sort of boilerplate NPR it was. And I don't know. Maybe it's just that it's being read by Robert Siegel. And it sounds public radio. It was you know, not an but... award-winning intro, but it no. was a perfectly reasonable story. Um. So, Bobby, do you want to talk about how you feel about the Kronos Quartet? Because you're probably the one who has the most insight about them of us. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was venting after this um, because on one hand, in my world, to me, being in the very fussy new music world, the Kronos Quartet is um, a sellout group because they work with some great composers and put some great new music into the world. But they also do very poppy covers of pop music and collaborate with, you know, popular mainstream artists. And they create a lot of fluff, too, which gets them a lot of attention and a fair amount of money. Um, and they're they're very engaging in that way. But they're not pursuing sort of the high serious art in the way that my group does. And so 
I push my glasses up my nose and remember, you know, I want to just judge them for being sellouts, but they're, they're doing great work in the world, whatever. But the other side of all of this is um, it's not very often that contemporary music in my world gets press. And so I'm never, ever going to complain about any group getting a story on NPR about something like this, because uh, it it's a rising tide that raises all ships and uh, it's good for us. So they're sellouts, but I was still excited to hear them get talked about. I'll give Luke credit that he knew that they were founded in Seattle. That was impressive because <laughs> they're not in yeah, Seattle absolutely. anymore. Um, and they're also extremely active on Twitter. So his deleting that tweet might have been a good choice. <laughs> yeah. And, and that when I went to look for the tweet to see exactly what he said, it, it was gone by the time I got there. So I guess I'll just have to guess at what exactly he said but throughout the conversation you could sort of see that coming as he returns to the idea that he kind of regrets that they might see it because he didn't really mean to be mean to the Kronos Quartet so much as the NPR treatment of the story although as he said he's really not into the music hey I had that happen with uh, Mike Daisy once I'd made a of really cruel and funny spoof about Mike Daisy on Twitter. And like 10 minutes later, he'd responded with more or less saying good one, you know? And I was like, I didn't feel bad about the joke. I I had more respect for him. I mean, first of all, I'm saying, boy, he's, he really has some rabbit ears, you know, he, he's looking for any Twitter mentions Mm -hmm. from nobody like me. But then I thought, you know, acknowledging that it was a good, a good spoof that that was a good move by him because then i was like i like him a little bit now oh. <laughs> well they end up deciding to play a little chronos quartet i'm not sure why except they always decide to do that stuff and then they they mock all the youtube comments which again is something that they're really into hey i i don't know i think that was the meanest part of it was I mean, those people, those comments are are dopey, right? But they're earnest, and they're from people who really love the music, and it really speaks to them, and, and they don't need to be mocked, guys. One of them was a good spoof, though. A good good song for a drummer in need of a yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for some reason, Andrew starts talking about the Rockford Files answering machine messages, the ones that got played at the very beginning of every episode that had little or nothing to do with the plot of the episode. I don't even know how he came into this because it was actually during the middle of the Kronos Quartet discussion. Um, but he decides that he's going to play some. There have been some MP3s made of these and they're floating around the Internet. And he says that he wants people to call in with their own versions of these non sequitur answering machine messages that they can play on TBTL, which we will see a few of the first of what I assume will be many, many, many of these uh, on Friday's show. They get to the top story, which is about avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, or ARFID, which of course was a lock to come up on the show given Andrew's food issues and where this is a a disorder, a mental disorder where food just doesn't actually seem edible to people, you know, like looking at a rock or a piece of poop, God forbid, and just saying, no, that's not food. Uh, As I said, it it is an actual mental disorder in the DSM manual and it can be deeply stigmatizing. I, I thought this was an interesting point. Uh, given that this is a culture that um, 
has food playing a, a central role in almost all of our social gatherings. And if you're a person that just can't eat food, that that's really a, a difficult thing to sort of figure out how to deal with. Uh, Andrew compares it to how he feels about cottage cheese. He says just thinking about eating a spoonful of cottage cheese is making his stomach turn. And he really went after cottage cheese in this episode. I know. I, that's kind of a common one. There are a lot of people that don't like cottage cheese just because it's kind of, of a weird huge fan. texture or whatever. I know. I love cottage cheese. Give me and half Luke a wonders. Filled that with cottage <laughs> Ooh, cheese. Mm. You got a meal right out of the 60s. Oh, yeah. Luke is wondering if Andrew could maybe be on the very, very, very end of this spectrum a little bit. No, he's just a baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, his food aversion is definitely psychological. It's not based on actual taste because of the whole he won't eat cheese, but he will eat pizza. Right. Or right. or he will eat Well, he's a ninja melted, turtle. He really yeah. loves his pizza. <laughs> melted mozzarella sticks are okay, but a, a, a string cheese isn't. Yeah, it's something. It's just totally mental. Just remember uh, that if... If any dietary restriction ends with, unless I'm high. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 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 Then just get high before you go to the dinner party. Don't insult the people and say, why don't we just go to a restaurant? I will will say, I... When I went when I went to Portugal, and you can expect half my stories to start with when I was in Portugal. From now on, <laughs> I, I know. You, hey, you paid for that trip. You you yep, earned it. I did. I went to one really nice restaurant that specialized in like traditional cuisine from around Portugal, and I decided I need to be a little bit adventurous. I need to do something that Andrew would never do, which is try something that I'm mm-hmm. unfamiliar with and don't know anything about. So as my appetizer, I ordered a uh, pig trotters which I've never eaten before. I realize they're pretty common in Southern culture, but we do not eat them up here in Minnesota. And so I ordered the, I put my order in and the waiter said to me, and and do you know what your starter is? And I got confused. And I was like, isn't it this thing here that I asked for? And he says, oh yes, but do you know what that is? And I said, oh yes, I do. I know what that is. And then he explained to me that every once in a while, there are people that will order the pig trotters and coriander that don't realize what they're getting and then there's a problem when the dish comes and i will have to say when the dish arrived i had a moment where my stomach went i don't know if i can do this because these and are then i said feet, don't be ridiculous right? ann yep yep they don't separate the meat they bring the whole yeah the you whole. have to figure yep. it out <laughs> yeah yeah i was just watching friday the other day and and uh one of the things one of the foods that they that the um, the dad lists off that he likes to eat, but Ice Cube eats it all up out of the fridge is pig's feet. Oh yeah, I, I eat pig's feet. You eat up all the pig's feet. <laughs> but there and was I'm like wow, there was a definite psychological component to that for me, where I thought I don't know about mm-hmm. this, and then I took a bite and I thought I still don't know about this, and then I ate the rest of it. It was delicious. The sauce was so good, but of course because it sounds terrible. It's- <laughs> Got to be delicious. Yep. They wouldn't because keep making pork. it century after century if it wasn't delicious. Right. If pig's feet tasted terrible, people would like, not only am I eating feet, but they taste like feet. <laughs> but for Andrew, that mental component is so huge, he just can't get past it, yeah. no matter what he does. I thought it was pretty interesting that 
Luke made a point of saying that everybody profiled in this article will eat toast. So toast is the universal food here. And he's kind of jealous of people who had food aversions because he figured that that would make his diet plans very much more, um, much, much easier if, you know, he looked at bread and thought, ugh, gross. Or That struck me as rather insensitive. <laughs> I know. It really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then they, uh, they've talked about this before and I know we've if talked about If only I had a crippling psychological <laughs> right. problem. And then I could My lose weight. My life would weight. be so much easier. <laughs> I'd be skinny. Uh, they revisit the idea of if you could give up the pleasure in food, would you? And Andrew would, and Luke probably would not. And then Luke talks about breatharians, about people who are convinced that they can live on air and sunlight. And uh, I looked it up, also called inedia, as in people who, I don't, as in inedible, I guess that comes from, people who literally believe it, this is actually a thing and not something Luke made up, believe that they do not need to eat food to survive. Baca sent me an article about those people a while back, and he was like, we need to get the gang back together <laughs> to talk about this one. Here's what I don't get. How does this fad not die out in just a few weeks? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> they're lying. They're lying. Yeah. I know. I, they. I was reading the Wikipedia page, and they have had several kind of famous breatharians who I, the establishment attempted to test. And there was one lady who did it. And after like four days, the people started begging her to eat because I think they said her resting heart rate had gone up to twice what it was when mm. she started the thing or whatever or there was another guy who uh claimed he did it for some weeks but there were points in which they let him leave the testing room where he wasn't monitored and i was like come on <laughs> that's bullshit you know i like chocolate cake but i could stop eating it anytime i, I could stop eating everything anytime i want i just mm-hmm. eat because i like to it's it's you know <laughs> it's just a habit yeah these people are being kept alive by the power of their lying and the, the warmth from their flaming <laughs> pants. Uh, the end of this episode kind of peters out a little bit. They get into the idea of childhood food shame. I always feel so bad for Andrew when he talks about, you know, being a heavy kid and, and the kind mm-hmm. of abuse that he took for it. Um, they talk about Luke's lunch bags and him he's talked about this before him him being embarrassed that he just had some janky old plastic bag or i think he's talked about the bread bag to have his lunch yeah that's a rough one right there yeah and uh and how he saved up his own money to actually buy real lunch bags because he was so embarrassed by it Uh, and andrew says he didn't because his lunch was packed for him every day he didn't realize until he was 22 years old that he didn't actually need a proper brown lunch bag (laughs) if he was going to bring his lunch to work Oh, that's kind of endearing, actually. He was very sheltered. And uh, then Luke retells the story about scamming for free school lunches. Mm-hmm. And uh, they decide to skip emails and emails. The problem with those bread bags in the Northeast is you got to be careful to not mix up the bread bags you're putting your lunch in with the bread bags that you're putting over your feet before you put them into right. your boots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, let's go to Friday, 25-24. P is for Vendetta. 
Um, Luke starts out the show complaining about how he is still getting booed and increasingly booed by the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me audience. Um, and it sounds like some people are missing the joke. It started out as people saying Luke, and now people don't know that, and they think that they're getting they're booing him, and so half the people are in on it and half are not, and Luke doesn't know what he should do about this, if he should address it. Um, Andrew can't really relate to being on stage and having a problem with the, what the audience is doing, <laughs> so he doesn't have a lot of useful advice. Um, but uh, we do learn that Wait Wait's going to be in Austin in May. Luke kind of casually drops that, so that'll be fun. Yeah, we got to get the inside track on that. I'd love to come down. See you crazy Texans. Yeah, we should make a, a, a yeah. thing out of it. Um, Definitely. Andrew is enjoying playing the bumper music when they come out of the ads. Um, sounds like he's been in charge of that and is, is having fun choosing those songs. Uh, Luke was talking about a freshly paved road and the satisfaction of driving down a silent road in the car. Everybody is asleep and he's listening to Coast to Coast and they talk about... The Coast to Coast theme music. And I'd never heard that. It sounds a little creepy. Um, and they talk a little bit about how they play all kind of paranoid songs like Don't Fear the Reaper and pan flutes. Um, Gotta love those pan flutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can all agree that there's nothing better than Coast to Coast on a smooth patch of repaved highway. Sure. On my top five. <laughs> Andrew talks about how he is a relationship hero because Veeves is doing a front fundraising brunch and she was worried about attendance. So he decided on his own to go to this to support her um, and he feels very good about it because he's not being pressured. It was his decision. He came up with the idea to go to support his girlfriend <laughs> um, and he, he says he doesn't want to pat on the back. He has a point about the... Mm. The early morningness of it, why would you have a fundraiser that is early in the morning? I mean, if you want, if you're worried about attendance, let's push that back a little bit. Yeah, she, he but calls it a brunch, brunch but it's how nine. How can it be? He said it was nine in the morning. No, no, no. Well, how early is nine? No, no, no. He said he had to get up at nine. Oh, okay. So this oh, really? is a brunch. I, okay. Maybe I misheard, but I think his point was that he got up but at nine. Or, or before, before nine, nine for once. Get, yeah, yes, to get yeah. ready. And... His point is that he doesn't get up before nine on the weekends. Right. Mm -hmm. Which means he had to wake up at nine to shower and clean himself up and be at a thing at 11, probably. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, I wouldn't schedule any fundraisers that made people get out of bed. I'm no, already asking sure. for money. Well, Andrew, not all heroes wear capes. Um, they talk about the importance of doing stuff with your partner, even if you don't care about that stuff, um, and how meaningful it is when you just show up to things. And these guys are 40 and have been in relationships for a long time, and they're just now realizing this. Um, Luke uh, outlines three relationship levels that he feels, the first being basically selfishness, where you're doing nice things for your partner because you want something in return. And then there's a second stage where you realize that they are their own unique human being with wants and needs and dreams and hopes. And then the last stage is when you start doing things for them purely out of love and not because you expect anything back. And Luke sounds like he's starting to grow up a little bit. Yeah. I, I know. I, I rolled my eyes 
at this, you know, at the idea of them being 40 and just figuring them out. But yeah. honestly, there are some people that go their entire lives without yeah. understanding this. So I guess it's a great thing. My dad. Yeah, you know, my mom for years and years and years has gone to every single one of my dad's family functions. And my dad tries to get out of my mom's family functions as much as possible including driving in separate cars so he can get out of there at the first opportunity. And I'm wow. like, can't you just go to your wife's family and hang out for an evening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means a lot to the other person, especially if they know it's something you don't particularly love doing, but that you're mm-hmm. willing to do it for exactly. them. Exactly. There's a lot of currency Absolutely. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the nonprofit world and worrying about not having enough attendance to fill out a fundraiser to make it feel like a big deal – that's the best thing you can do as a significant other or a friend. I have I have uh, yes. pulled Sam along to help fill out so many parties and things sure. like that. Um, it just comes with the territory of being involved with someone who's in that kind of thing. Right. Um, we take a hard right turn to talk about how Luke's drop playlist in iTunes has a Todd Rundgren album cover on it for some reason. Uh, and then we discuss this penny saver in New York. Luke... Uh, loves reading those little classified ads that are in small local papers, the the local ads and the you know the the things that people are posting. Thanks to what was it, Saint Andrew for helping us out with this <laughs> this thing that we needed. Like I'm sure Saint Andrew is reading the Penny Saver in upstate New York, right? Um, and then Andrew talks about uh, practicing reading out loud by reading to the blind. And I forget how he segged into that, but there were a lot of farm ads in whatever he was reading. And he enjoyed kind of the rural juror, you know, kind of uh, feel to these things. <laughs> I did that um, when I first moved to Austin and I was I was not yet employed. I volunteered at a place that uh, did reading for the blind and dyslexic. And we would... Uh, we would do textbooks um, because we were adjacent to the school, to the school for the blind, and the, the the students would submit a textbook, and then you would do a recording of it. Uh, for a while, for a long while, I was the director of the of whatever books, and then I moved to the other side and started doing the reading. Um, and you would do it by chapters, and then someone else would do other chapters of the book, and then you know you might get back and and do chapter seven after having done chapter two or whatever. So I found that I was learning very specific things about <laughs> a lot of different things. And then I had huge gaps in knowledge about those <laughs> things. It was really interesting because then I'd be kind of Cliff Clavin about this. And then if anybody had a follow-up question, you know, about, uh, about, um, I don't know, one, one book was like for electricians or whatever. And I, I like learned some stuff about it, but if you had a follow-up question for me, I was a dead man. (laughs) So, uh, maybe if you had read an anatomy book, you would have skipped the GI tract section because our top story for today is the orchard park pooper. And there is a giant ad in Mm. one of these papers about this person pooping in this other person's yard. Uh, They call them a person slash jogger. (laughs) (laughs) They needed to clarify that the jogger was not a hmm, deer or a dog. Um, The, the toilet paper is the dazzling deep for me. It is. They're just jogging. They know they're going to take a crap during this jog. That's the amazing thing. 
Yeah, I've heard that jogging can just like shake things free sometimes. So I understand that there may be an emergency, but this sounds like a chronic problem. Um, just maybe pretty a treadmill horrifying. might be the thing. For yeah, you. stay at home, stay near a bathroom. <laughs> just do laps uh, around Luke the house. Luke predicts right <laughs> around your treadmill bathroom. right by your shitter. <laughs> Luke suspects that he'll end up being a rogue pooper at some point in his jogging career, that he'll run into an emergency and will have to. No, you can't do that, Luke. Well, and you wouldn't do it on someone's lawn. You, you can't put that on the table as a possibility. That was the worst Star Wars sequel, the rogue pooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I guess, well, I'm sure if it happens, that'll we'll be the first to hear about it. Um and Andrew talks about how his very first task at, on his very first day of work with his father was to clean up some human poop that somebody had left outside. So he had to grab a shovel and take care of it. Uh, that's a good way to get... I like um, that. Yeah, trial by fire into your new job. This is, the father isn't treating the son any you know different than yeah. anyone else. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I think that was a good managerial decision by Bob Walsh. Yeah. Absolutely. Can you imagine, though, if if the boss wasn't your dad and... And you just figured, is this going to be my job? <laughs> yeah, I quit. I mean, <laughs> fuck you. Uh, by the way, Orchard Park's not far from listener Bet. So uh, either mm. keep an eye out, Bet, or stop pooping in people's yards, Bet. I'm not sure which. <laughs> they theorize that Bet may be a traveling pooper, that she went to, where was it? Colorado Springs? No, we just call it right. Springs. Springs there and then went to Orchard Park and doesn't she just doesn't she doesn't uh, make any friends or talk to anyone or do anything. She just travels around, jogs for a couple of weeks, poops in people's yards and leaves and goes somewhere yep. else. Yep. It's very, very likely. Um, next top story for today is that Anheuser-Busch is sending uh, beer equipment. It sounds like um, barley seeds, I think. It was not hops. It was barley seeds into space to see how they grow. Um, in space, because uh, when humans settle somewhere, the first thing we need to do is figure out how to create alcohol. I imagine pornography will be second on that priority list, uh, right behind mm -hmm. beer. So this is high priority. Um, Luke talks about how many microbreweries there are in Bellingham um, and how they tend to be populated by the same exact guy who is uh, got a big bushy beard is super into beer and wears puffy North face jackets. I know exactly what guy he's talking about. And I feel like I've seen them all over Michigan because Grand Rapids is beer oh, city. Yeah. Yep. Beer city, USA. So those, those guys are everywhere. Um, I know a few, re you know, friends who look like that. And every time I see one of these guys, I think it's them. And it, it, it sends me for a loop every time. The good news is, is they're, they're usually good dudes, but they are the same dude. They're the same Definitely. dude. Yeah. They're nice. There's nothing. Yeah. It's fine, but they're all the same. Yeah, um, and and Luke pointed this out because I, would I be wear that the guy. final shirt, and I'm I'm a bigger guy, and I don't know enough about beer. So if I grow my beard out, yeah. people are going to expect that I'll know more about beer. False expectation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it sounds like they were hanging out with some friends, and Luke maybe offended his uh, friend's boyfriend by pointing out that everyone in this microbrewery looked exactly the same, and it's also what he looked like, and he kind of. Uh, awkwardly removed his North Face jacket, and Luke felt bad. And pulled out a pulled out a razor and shaved. His beard. <laughs> Took off his beard and started drinking wine. Uh, and then we kind of seg back. Never in... trust a clean shaven brewer. No, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, 
they talk back, you know, go back to this uh, beer and space thing, talk about how, you know, it's going to be hard to figure out the water and sun situation on Mars. Uh, things taste differently in space and that the bubbles are going to be different in space. And that would be really unfun to drink beer in a low gravity situation, I think. Um, yeah. We learn about the TBTL holiday show plan. Um, there will be all new shows that they're going to start recording now, um, but they will be taking those weeks off. And they're calling it No Regerts, a TBTL spectacular dot ninja, they add later. And it's going to be them and guests talking about their regrets. Uh, so that sounds like a cheery holiday topic. And they are asking for listener input. So give them a call with your regret stories. All right. Uh, we've got music for your weekend today. Andrew brings us Westermark by Charlie Bliss. Yes. yes. I mistyped that, Bliss. Okay. Uh, Luke brings us Boy by Alex G. And listener Jeffrey in Seattle brings us Little Baby by Lee Dorsey. And that's your week in review. I hate to admit it, but all those songs were pretty good. Yeah, they were. Wow, a three for three from Mike. <laughs> housekeeping settle down puppies all right pony up pony up the dough i mean you only have a few weeks left to disappoint your friends and family who will just give you the stuff back um archive project get in touch with uh christy um send send uh send us an email um Buy stuff from Amazon through the link littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon. You can listen to our friends over at Earbuds and Earworms. Songs with J in the title. Um, <laughs> I'm interested to see what people come up with for that. Uh, and then please send us your favorite clips for the end of your show. We were having a discussion in our Slack channel about it. And wow, there was some some stuff. I mean, Christy was bringing up some stuff that was stirring some really funny memories mm -hmm. for me. So I think it's going to be a blast. And if you can remember something that made you laugh hard, uh, let us let us know. Um, so that's all we have for Or us. cry. I think we're open to a wide range of emotional manipulation with our best ofs. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I haven't thought about that. I only pulled funny stuff so far. <laughs> it's There's definitely not enough funny stuff to fill out a show. So <laughs> we'll take the sad stuff, too. Uh, you can find us at littleredbandwagon.com and throwyourphone.com on Facebook at Little Red Bandwagon, on Twitter at LRB Podcast. Email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemails and text messages to 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And with that, Anne, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. I love you, too. Nailed it. Meet you downstairs.